BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, Young and Restless and Bold and Beautiful have a big crossover planned, and I could not be more here for it. So first of all, I love a crossover. Always have. I like the idea that characters move from city to city or town to town. I mean, we can throw it all the way back to Texas, the Another World spinoff. You know, I watched it because Iris was on it. And I can't name a crossover since then that I haven't liked. Loved Sheila moving from YNR to B&B. I was into Jake moving from Another World to As the World Turns when that show went off the air. Uh, the One Life characters moving to GH was so great, you know, until it wasn't. And the show had to pivot <laughs> and make Roger Howard, Michael Easton, and Kristen Alderson new characters. But bottom line, this is the kind of storytelling I'm into. And in this story, we will see Summer travel to Los Angeles to dig up dirt on Sally, which I think is an inspired move. Yes, it's it's so perfectly in character for summer, you know, and those of us who watch both shows know that there is a fair amount of dirt to dig up there. Um, I think the, you know, best case scenario for our crossover is if the visit makes a storyline impact on both shows. And I think we know going in what the stakes are in terms of Summer and Sally, but I'm very interested to see how like Summer's presence on B&B will affect the characters there. I, I feel like there hasn't been a lot going on for Wyatt flows since Sally left town, but I could see the mere mention of her name causing some friction. Um, and in the new issue, you had a really interesting conversation with the head writers of both shows about what went into pulling off this crossover. And I was really interested in reading about, you know, what it was required behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I had a really good chat with B&B's Bradley Bell, who created the character of Sally, and YNR's Josh Griffith, who inherited her backstory. And they told me they had a great time collaborating on this crossover. They actually worked over Zoom and um, have been bouncing other ideas around, which is also exciting to think about. Uh, one character they did mention is Sheila, who's always out there and could easily slip back into Genoa City. Um, you know, Josh said he really appreciated everything he had to work with with Sally and thanked Brad for, you know, writing such juicy stuff for her. Uh, and, you know, well, there'll be some, like, winks in there. I mean, we'll see Summer cross paths with Bill, who, as we know, played by Don Diamant, had a very long run as Genoa City's Brad. And actually, Brad Bell said that he was working as a gardener when the character of Brad was introduced as one, which I found utterly delightful. 
Absolutely. Um, another bit of business we need to discuss is the return of Denise Alexander to GH as Leslie. So that is the veteran return that I hinted at on the podcast last week. Uh, obviously, with the show digging into the family history of Laura via the reveal that she has two surprise half-brothers, Cyrus and Martin, uh, Leslie's own relationship with the late Gordon Gray has come up on screen. And I'm so excited that Leslie is back. You know, Denise was one of the superstars of the show in the 1970s and has always had such a beautiful dynamic with Jeannie Francis, who plays Laura. And on a personal note, I have to say that I just absolutely love Denise. Um, as a person, talking to her has been amazing. You know, she played Susan on Days before going to GH. Uh, and I got to interview her for the first time when uh, Days of Our Lives turned 50. And she told the most wonderful, heartwarming stories, um, especially involving her close friendships with Susan Seaforth Hayes, who plays Julie, and Susan Flannery, who played Laura. Uh, and you and I were both very smitten with the fact that they called their pal, Susan Flannery, flannels. Um, hello, that was my favorite factoid to come out of that <laughs> interview, and I think we could share on the podcast that it is how we refer to Susan Flannery amongst ourselves. Yep, good old um, flannels. <laughs> total flannels. So speaking of days, Brian Dottillo has been offered a new contract, which means we'll be seeing more of Lucas. So Brian has been on and off contract and the canvas since his 1993 debut, and he told me he was surprised that he was offered a new deal, but sees it as a sign of respect and feels it shows that Lucas has value uh, and that he will play a more meaningful role on the canvas, especially with Allie back in town and Allison Sweeney's Sammy on her way back. You know, it makes sense that he should be in the mix there. Oh, absolutely. Now, speaking of Day's dads, our guest today is Kevin Spiritus, who played Craig Wesley, Chloe's father, and was most recently seen on the Last Blast reunion series on the Day's app. Uh, Kevin has had such an interesting career in and out of daytime and has had enormous success both in front of and behind the camera in the realm of digital series. He co-created and starred in After Forever, which I know you were a huge fan of, and we all know that the daytime Emmy voters were huge fans of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't say enough about how fantastic it is. And actually, Kevin just released a new project related to After Forever, so let's get the scoop about it. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Stephanie. How, how are you doing? doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Well, you know, before we actually go into how we're doing, um, this this call, this 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 podcast is happening at a very, very extraordinary time in our history. And I just need to say, I wanted to sort of like pop that bubble. Um, it's a heavy hearted time for America. And we're doing this interview at a time when we should be focusing or can be also focusing on peace and and solidarity and 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 hope and joy and um it really had me rattled yesterday it still does now on top of the other rattling stuff that i've experienced at the end of this yeah. year so i just happy birthday to you and i thank love you, you and love all the fans who are listening you're so sweet thank you well thank you for joining us today and very well said honestly mara and i were talking about just what an amazing career you've had and we cannot wait to get into discussing it so let's start you were okay. born in st louis how did you discover your love of performing Oh my gosh, we're gonna go back to these questions. Okay, so um, my love of performing came um, from uh, you know sneaking out of my bedroom late at night and watching the late, 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 late show and hoping that they would you know play musicals, uh, all the movie musicals. And I wanted to be Gene Kelly, and I found a love for singing and dancing. And um, 
And then that was, um, uh, that, uh, we'll say the talent for that and the, and the, the desire for that was actually um, encouraged by my music teacher, Mrs. Joanne Smiley, who I'm still in touch with. Um, but that was like in fourth grade and wow. now she's the mayor of Clarksville, Missouri. But um, anyway, um, uh, she was uh, very, very um, supportive of that. My, my family was too, my mom and dad, they saw I had a, a desire to um, perform, but uh, Joanne really um, encouraged it. I sang at all the concerts and all the plays and musicals, so, you know. Well, one, uh, you know, early rave review uh, came in that I need to hear more about. It's like all over the Internet that you were a local celebrity based on your performance in the Palace show at Six Flags. Uh, and particularly, I guess, your your not to be missed rendition of the finale. One step. One step. I took myself one step. Yes. Um, see, on a on a on a podcast we can sort of sing a little bit um you know uh i love that if it's in print it means it's true and and, and all that is true um um yeah i mean i i i auditioned for the theme park shows at six flags over mid-america um in eureka missouri which was a half hour away and um i you know i was one of the cast members in the palace show God, to say the palace show is now like, anyway, and um, and from there, uh, and, and Stephanie knows this, I sang and danced, I performed on the Dinah Shore Stairway to Stardom because Six Flags and Dinah Shore at the time, do you know who Dinah Shore is, Mara? Of course. Okay, okay, gotta ask. Sweet, sweet of you. <laughs> Stephanie's laughing. <laughs> um, and, uh, I got to, I, got, I won the competition from that park, you know, so anyway, that was my big start. And then uh, I went to New York and I, I broke into show business with the chorus line. I knocked on the stage door of the Schubert Theater, something I can't believe I did. I heard that they were having a closed audition and I wanted to be part of it. And, and a friend said, take your picture and resume to the stage door. So I did. And they called me a couple days later and three months, I was in New York for three months and that was it. Then I was learning the show to go on tour, which I took out to Los Angeles a year and a half on the tour of Chorus Line. And um, the rest, as they say, is history. Totally. But that's like a crazy show to like make your, you know, debut in. You did I Can Do That, right? That was your Mm -hmm. song. I sang I Can Do That. That's right. I remember. I I can still do that. Uh, And... uh, (laughs) I just don't do it with the back handspring anymore because I retired the back handspring in the second season of After Forever in one of the opening segments. If you um, if you watched, I do a back handspring on the beach, uh-huh. <laughs> and that was it. Uh-huh. Okay, that was the end of it. Um, well, what was that like for you? What was the experience of being on Broadway? You know, especially so soon into your move to New York. Uh, lucky, it was exciting. Um, you know, my career has always been kind of. Um, I, I've been very blessed. I've been very, very lucky, and and um, it, it's always fallen in my favor, you know, to uh, land the right thing at the right time. You know, uh, I, I I have this um, I, I have this thing inside me where if I see something and I believe it's something that's you know right for me, or I'm excited by it, or it arrests me, and I want to do it, I I kind of attract it. I pull it to me and I pull myself to it and 
um, you know, um, every every job I've ever gotten, I think, is also kind of like a, a metaphysical uh, headline, if you will. Like I can do that was my was my theme. I can do that. I, I see something. I can do that. I want to do that. And that's kind of also if you jump many, 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 many years later when Sebastian Lacoste won uh, all his awards for his um, his um, web series Hustling, I looked at him and said, I want to do what he's doing. So it's kind of a full circle thing. But, you know, I, I have lessons to work out. I have I have um, uh, experiences that I need to go through. And I think every job along the way has always been sort of the the title of that need to go through thing that I'm working through. And if I can go through it personally and work it out, then I think the audience is going to get something personally as well, touched by it, healed by it, if I'm going through that healing as well. All right. So after so you- Palace. <laughs> right, no, 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 no. Wait, so wait, after you made your way to LA, mm-hmm. um, you know, television followed. And in 1984, you made your soap debut on Rituals. Rituals. Uh, playing Tom Gallagher. That, of course, was a show, was was not so long lived, but had a lot of great talent I watched it. it. Uh, Stephanie watched it, and I was the most worked actor on that series. We we got we went. Uh, I think uh, Laurie Openden, the casting director at that time, uh, went back and said, you know, we did a uh, a tally, and Tom Gallagher was the most worked, you know, character. Right. I worked with uh, Beth, Mary Beth Evans. Evans. Mary Beth Evans, <laughs> uh, and uh, and she actually replaced somebody on the show, uh, but Mary Beth Ken Schreiner. Um, Felice Sampler, who I haven't really seen around lately. Um, uh, Greg Malavy played my dad. Uh, I, I just saw him off Broadway in a show about a year and a half ago when we were still going to shows. Um, uh, who this? Oh, I played uh, Tina Louise came in and she replaced uh, Joanne Flug, and so I can now say I I have worked with. There's a great story about Tina Louise. I won't say it here. But, um, <laughs> Um, I'll hear it later. I'll hear it later. Um, but it was about her good side. Anyway, uh, I love it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was that. And then that kind of took me into my film and TV career. You know, I also before that, that was about two years into L.A. I, my first year so, pseudo anniversary of uh, being in L.A. was uh, I got cast in the original sequel of The Hills Have Eyes Part 2 that Wes Craven directed, which started my long run of yes. being a the king of film sequels. Yeah, we were going <laughs> to ask you about that. So do you have a favorite fictional death or near-death experience from your days in the horror genre? You know, I never died in the horror genre. Oh, um, okay. It wasn't until... It wasn't until I, 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 I never got killed in the in, in I mean I, I survived. I always survived. Um, uh, slasher film sequels were good to me. Hills Have Eyes Part Two, uh, <laughs> the Thirteenth Part Seven, The New Blood. Uh, I survived. Um, Subspecies Two and Three with Denise Duff. Uh huh. Um, in Romania, I didn't I didn't get the uh, bite, the neck bite. And then there's one more. Uh, 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 I'm forgetting one. Uh, Silk Stockings. Oh, remember that? And I played uh, I played this dancer who was having an affair with the two, with the lead ballet dancer and her twin sister. And naughty. I got I got knifed. Yeah, that's never going to end well. 
No, no, no. That's a tour jeté you don't want to do. <laughs> um, well, of course, uh, probably a lot of uh, people listening to this really fell in love with Kevin Spiritus when he was cast as Craig Wesley on Days of Our Lives. Um, now, I believe you first did just a few episodes. In uh, I, I, I was contracted for three episodes. Uh huh. Okay, so you do three episodes in 97. Then in beginning in 98, of course, started a much longer run. So yeah. tell us your, your day's casting story. Well, the, my, I was not represented by any theatrical agent or manager at the time. And I was doing my thing. I was working as hard as I could to get noticed, to get seen, to get some sort of something going. And um, I was doing this little musical up on Franklin Avenue and Fran Bascom. God rest Fran Bascom's soul. Um, she was casting days at the time and she came to see me and she said, Kevin, you, I couldn't, I can't find you anywhere. I, you know, I have an agent. There's nothing in the actors, uh, actors directory. Remember the actors directory? Oh gosh. Yeah. So, um, uh, she said, I, I want to have you come in and I want to talk to you about doing a role. I said, okay. And, um, I went in the next day and <clears throat> you know, you forget how fast TV is. It's the next day. And then the next day after that, you're going to the set. I think it was actually three days later, but um, uh, she explained the role and um, she said, would you like to do it? And I said, are you paying me? And uh, <laughs> you know, she said, of course, of course. So I was contracted for this three day role. And I, I remember this very, very vividly because of my work on rituals. Um, I knew how the setup of daytime work, you know, I, I'm a day player. No one talks to the day players. But I had a really big day player arc. I had three days. And I was opposite um, uh, uh, Rourke Critchlow. And, um, you know, I was the nemesis to Dr. Mike. And uh, I can't remember who actually created that, but I remember Tom Langan at the time wanted some sort of nemesis to help push him, push Mike into being with Carrie. And uh, and I I know that there had been some dramatics on the set with other people and um Rourke and and, and um Christine um Christy uh Clark were they were doing their job but I think there was sort of like a very careful um coming together of the two of them like I, I just remember there was a very like it was a it was a very very um sticky set because of some things that had happened off stage with other people and um you can read the old soap opera digest stuff if you didn't know what that is. Um, but anyway, um, and I and I know that Tom Langan kept coming up to the set and speaking to them about their, you know, let's lead the audience. I could hear this and, you know, lead the audience to believing this and you don't have to necessarily do any kissing right here, but, you know, blah, 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 blah. And um, I just sort of like remember thinking, I think I'm doing okay. I don't need to ask any question. They're not going to talk to me anyway. I'm a day player. But I felt as if I was on a set of a great movie. Like I just was making do with props and having fun. And there was this really odd thing where I had to pick up the phone and talk to Austin, who is Austin Peck, and um, and say, I don't know who this is, but she just, uh, Carrie just left with this really, you know, she looks hot. And she left with, you know, Mike or something. I can't remember the line, I'm fudging it up. But, uh, and then I go, hello. Anyway, and I, I, had to, I had to pick up the phone. I'm like, why am I in their hotel room picking up the phone? It was very, it was very soapy. So Wait, that happened all the time. No, of course not. And uh, 
But here's what I know. Um, and I had a full day with them that day. And then I got home and about 10 o'clock at night. Um, I got a call from Fran Bascom. And Fran said, Kevin, I, I don't know what you did at the set today, but Tom Langan called me. Uh, he never calls me. And I thought, oh, God, what did I do? Do <laughs> 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 you remember the story, Stephanie? Yeah. And, um, and uh, sure enough, sure enough, uh, she said, I, he loved you. He Go back to the set. Do everything you did today. You never know. Maybe they'll write you in eight years later. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a gift. But of course, I had to, you know, there was stuff I needed to to learn through that, through that whole experience and go through that. And of course, it didn't happen immediately. It was eight months later mm -hmm. that uh, they, Fran calls instead of you sitting down. Uh -huh. said, yeah, so get my water here. <clears throat> so it was a it was a great time. And I'd still happily go back. Hello. Okay, good to know. Let's let them hear that. Um, well, when Craig did come back, uh, there was a much bigger story to tell with him. He was married to Nancy, played by Patrika Darbo. Yay. And the audience really developed a strong affection for like your very quirky and lustful relationship, if you'll recall. Um, we were, so we tell were the number one non-conventional couple of daytime. That's right. I'm proud of it. So <laughs> tell us about just developing that relationship, your relationship with Patrika, and your standout memories of Nancy and Craig. Well, the the... Well, first of all, Patricia Darbo, we just had so much fun, you know, and she was she kept she kept saying, pinch me. Am I supposed to be here on the set? Uh, I'm, I'm not a soapy. I'm not a person around the soaps. And I say, yes, you are. And, you know, our relationship was based uh, the the story of the relationship was based on love. Uh, and people were like, well, you know, she's she's not the right size for you. Or I said, what's what's wrong with her size? You know, she's a very pretty girl. And we're not looking at her weight, we're looking at her heart, you know, and I, I really stood by that. And um, Patrika and I had no idea where the storyline was ever going to go. And, <clears throat> and I do remember uh, uh, we had a lot of mutual friends. So before we ever got together on the set, and I said, let's go out and have some lunch, you know, or have a bite or coffee or something. And I said, we should have just f some fun with this. And that's really kind of where it became fun. And I think the fans, again, we were going through it, honestly, and um, uh, poignantly. And I think the fans reacted to that, you know. Mm -hmm. So, uh, of course, Craig had another important relationship uh, in his father-daughter relationship with yeah. Chloe, played by the lovely Nadia Bjorland. So mm -hmm. tell us what it was like to work with Nadia and to play that uh, dynamic between your characters. You know, Nadia came onto the set at 16 years old, and I can't remember exactly how many years after that was that her father had passed away. You know, she she grew up, uh, I think there's five kids, family of five. I don't know how many, it's four or five kids, and I think her three, dad might have been yeah. 13. She was young. She was, yeah, she was young. Yeah, and I, and I think it was, but, um, and you know, she was, she was, this gloriously trained opera singer and her acting was a very natural style. And, you know, she would ask questions about this or that and how to maybe get into a certain scene. And, and Patrika was very good with that too and helping her. Um, but I, I remember, and um, there were some times that she was having some challenges and um, I got to stand in for her father figure. And, um, you know, I think it's just, or an older brother. 
and I'm just I'm thinking about Michael today, Michael Slade. So you'll explain all that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Please, that's sorry. okay. You got Mara all emotional too. It's um, it's it's really hard. It's really hard. You know, the fun thing about days and you know the universal computer and the the mapping system that we all have is um count uh cut to many years later when i was in new york and um i'm at the gym june 1st 2014 and i hear this gentleman say are are you kevin spiritus because i if you are i think i used to write for you in days of our lives and that's how i met michael slade and that's that was the beginning that universal crossing point was the beginning of i just pitched him idea we were talking about everything but i said hey i want to write a new series and da, 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 and, and that's where after forever was born you know and um and for those of you who may not be aware michael we lost michael slade to a three and a half year battle with cancer just uh three days short of his birthday and um releasing the series the episode that's now out after mm-hmm. forever is riley's unforgettable school project yes but we will absolutely be talking about I, know, I know i'm sorry it's we're no. gonna bounce around because it's life and that's yeah. how we do it but nadia i still stay in touch with i still call her on her birthday and say who's your daddy <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and i love her and um and i've run into her a couple of times i'm so excited that she was in my friend paul Witten's series dropping the soap mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, you did have like a nice long run after someone who was only there for three episodes at first. You I know. Were there until 2003. You also reprised Craig in 2005 and 2009. Um, and of course, I love that you have these dates. <laughs> we do. Our job. And then, of course, the last, last reunion. But what was at that time, what was it like for you to return to Salem after like back in 2005 and nine? I got to sing at her wedding and um, there were moments and it was great to be back there. And I got to, I got to sing the sweetest of nights and the finest of days at her wedding. When you did leave days in 2003, you wound up in a very interesting career position. You, you understand. Wait, 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 wait. I, I have to interrupt before you go back there. Um, yeah. When I left days of our lives, it was a, it wasn't a surprise that the regime had changed, but everyone I said, everyone always asked me, how did they kill you off? And I said, I didn't get killed off. I went to answer a phone call and never came back. <laughs> and then all of a sudden there was a new chief of staff. I took a job somewhere else. Who knows? Anyway. Okay. Now. Kale took your job. Yeah. I know. I don't know what this aversion to killing you off is. My goodness. I know. Um, I... It's like silk stalking still wanted to be the only one. Right, right, right. Um, okay. So, uh, all right. Well, when you, when you left the show, you wound up as the standby for yes. Hugh Jackman on Broadway in The Boy From Oz. What is like the audition process like for that? What is that? Give us the scoop. When I went to audition, um, my agent called me and said, how tall are you? And I said, I'm five, ten and a half ish, maybe. Why? He goes, they need someone six foot and I've submitted you for the standby role of Hugh Jackman in The Boy From Oz. I said, oh, well, this is going to be mine. When the phone call came, I just knew right away, and, and I've told this to Stephanie, um, I, I was a huge fan of Peter Allen growing up. Um, he was very much a part of my life uh, musically, and um, I had actually auditioned to be in the original show, and by the time they came back to me, I didn't get called back at that time, but by the time they came back to this um, request of, of standing by position, uh, I just knew that they weren't going to find anybody who could do what I do 
for that. I just knew it. And I, I didn't have to be that high, you know, the tall, but, um, and I went in and I auditioned and, um, there's, there's a really, there's a fun story about how the, um, they kept saying to me, how tall are you? And I said, I'm, I'm five, ten and a half, put me in heels. You know, I'm, I'm a grower, not a shower. You know, I mean, I did all that, you know, all that stuff. And they laughed and they thought that was a really good way to kind of, you know, communicate with the audience because uh, in this particular uh, version of Peter's life, uh, he broke the fourth wall and talked to the audience. And um, uh, it was great. I was the it guy. I never went on for Hugh, but I also stood by for two other roles and I went on for those other roles opposite him a couple of times. It, it was an extraordinary experience. And I, and I just, I just was talking to, uh, to Hugh the other day about this. I, I, I emailed him and I, and I thanked him because when I think of Hugh Jackman, I think of not only this incredibly talented and gifted individual who's on this planet, but he has this way of stepping out onto a stage or being in public or on a movie set, even I'm sure there is this extraordinary amount of love and, and, gratitude and graciousness and 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 just he's so giving and there's never a problem for him like he like something happens on stage and it something breaks or falls and he's like why well, it wasn't supposed to happen uh, hold on can we stop for a second like it's just it's not a problem mm-hmm. and that's that's what was exciting to me to be backstage every night watching him or to um to to witness and um i i thank him for that i think i thank the opportunity every day because what would you jackman do is kind of my my question and of course um you know that's what he did he's a big fan of after forever by the way he's he's very proud of what i did who isn't um (laughs) i know but you know come on he's a big superstar he's the greatest he's the greatest showman you know that well admit it were you a little bummed that he never like had a sore throat (laughs) (laughs) no uh no um was i a little bummed uh no i mean you know it was it was an undertaking i mean i knew the show uh someone uh one of the the musical director patrick vacriella um said to me one day he said so you ready to go on and it was during previews i went what he goes yeah, all my stars, they drop out every time, you know, for free. They'll, they'll do a couple of shows, they'll get nervous, they'll drop out, they'll do the show two days later and they'll come back and be fine. I went, what? And I, this was like my first week there and I went home that night and thank God for the soap training. I put that script and every lyric in my head and I was ready. I was ready. Uh, there was also a time, he never missed a show. Uh, there was also a time that there, one night his wife, Deb, did get, uh, she was sick and she went, into the emergency room and uh, it was something like pneumonia. I don't know what it was. It, was. it wasn't even a bad thing, but they needed to keep her overnight. And, and he went after the show, after the show, it was a Tuesday night. He, after the show, he went to the hospital. He slept in the hospital room and got back to do the matinee. And, and um, okay, but it was in the middle of the matinee, his voice started to kind of go. And they said, you better go shave but he made it through he made it through so anyway i'm, I'm just so grateful for it well uh, another soap came uh, into your life also in new york uh yeah. uh you spent a few months recurring on one life to live as uh jonas chamberlain not a not a very nice guy uh tell us about your experience 
<laughs> Tell us about your experience uh, working there. I know you worked with Andrea Evans, if I recall, yeah, yeah. Christopher. I was reunited with my my good Valley of the Dolls buddy, um, Kamar. So uh, yeah, that was fun. Um, One Life to Live was odd. Uh, it was um, very quick. It was very. Um, it wasn't the. It wasn't the the family and the world that I was used to experiencing with days. Um, you know, I didn't have a dressing room. Not that that matters, but you know, after you know your contract rule, I was recurring, of course, with um, the count or the baron or whoever I was <laughs> on one life. But um, I, I just it was the expansiveness of days and the sets and everything that was i was used to was sort of compacted into this very tiny um studio and um and they did things a little differently there and uh, i'm all for that it's just it was very oh okay i guess we're done okay moving on okay oh okay and your little dog too okay you know because uh, <laughs> she had that little dog but um you know i david I, vickers the dog one of yeah. my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but Andrew was great. And, you know, I just, uh, it was, um, do you hear those parrots? We've got wild yeah. parrots circling around. They're like a flock of them. They go, um, ah, sorry for the parrots. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I have uh, a thing with birds, Kevin. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> I feel like Tippy Hedren. You know, watch out. <laughs> Mars' wildest nightmare. Yeah, yeah. That's why I was like this. I didn't want you to think it was to you. I'm just. I have a bird thing. Sorry. Continue. <laughs> I love it. Um, so anyway, um, anyway, it was great. I, I, I had a good time. Um, but I will tell you, um, one day um, it was during the Emmys one year here. Here's the story. One day during the Emmys, we were at the uh, Kodak and. Um, I turned around and I was talking with some people and I can't remember who was introduced us, Erica Slezak. Uh, she she introduced us, uh, she said, this is Frank Valentini and this is Kevin Spiritus. And I said, hi, nice to meet you. She goes, you were the standby for Hugh Jackman, the boy from Oz. I went, this guy knows what I am. <laughs> well, I may be moving back to New York, so anytime you want, and, and that's sort of <laughs> like uh, when, the, when the role came down the pike for Jonas. Um, uh, I told my agents, I said, I think he knows me. Do I need to go in and read? And they said, I'll just give it to him. Like, I, I don't know if it was that easy, but yeah. I went back and forth. And so I was really happy to do that. And he was great to work with. Um, but then again, he knew I was a standby. By the way, the standby versus understudy, just for your information, an understudy is someone who has a role on stage with the rest of the cast during the actual show itself. A standby is someone who stands off stage and waits for one of the pins to go down before you jump in to replace that gotcha. person because that way they don't have to interesting anyway there you go well thank you i mean you do have a lot of broadway knowledge because your experience also extends backstage as well you have been a producer of some pretty incredible musicals very impressive list there so tell us how this aspect of your career came about i i when i went back to new york i i went back with the intention to get back on stage and that was um after boy from eyes I went back to LA. Uh, I did. I ended up doing Corny Collins in the Las Vegas production of Hairspray, and then I thought, if I want to be back on stage, I got to be where the stage is. So I went back to New York, and um, I, I think like a few months. Again, it's that three month, four month, six month window. 
I was, I was, I did the thing on day on one life and, um, and then I, I got a two person play, uh, called, um, loaded, which we did off Broadway and my friend, Barbara Deutsch, who's, um, basically a friend of mine forever. And my career coach said, um, I've got a friend named Don Cummings and he's written a play and he's looking for a producer. And I've called, I told him to call you because you produce your career better than anyone I know you can produce this, this reading of this play. I like, what the heck? And sure enough, he called me up and we talked and I read the play and, um, it was going to be a reading. I had to, I had to help him find, you know, a theater. And, um, oh, did I say that Meryl Streep and her daughter and her son were in the reading? No, you haven't so, said that. <laughs> uh, and it was, uh, um, it was really a, a really great piece and it was a, the family affair of all of them reading together. And I stepped on stage that night at the top of the show and said, hi, um, I'm Kevin Spiritus. Um, please turn off your cell phones and enjoy the show. And the next day, everybody called me and it was every producer in New York City who wanted to find out more about this, the show. And the show actually never happened um, as she took something else at the time. But um, it opened up a lot of a lot of uh, great relationships with some wonderful people. And that's where I was then asked to come into Finian's Rainbow and help raise money and sit in in all the meetings and uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. And there was a great show. Oh, I was also I, I worked a little bit on um, Promises, Promises, uh, which was starring Sean Hayes and Kristen Chenoweth. Um, there was a great, wonderful musical called uh, white noise that did an out of town tryout and um, uh, Whoopi Goldberg was presenting it. It just didn't make it to New York. And it was unfortunate because it, it's really, it's so timely about what's even happening right now in our government and our world. And so I'm sad that that didn't make it, but, uh, and then Priscilla Queen of the Desert was, um, I auditioned for that show and didn't get it. Darn it. I thought I'm going to go back onto Broadway. <laughs> in high heels and it didn't happen but then i was talking to one of my producer friends from priscilla uh, from finian's and i said what are you working on right now and they said um we just got in on priscilla queen of the desert i said i gotta get in on that because the heart of that show was so beautiful did either of you see it not me no. I, I i didn't which is insane because drag is such a humongous part of my life like, <laughs> i cannot believe that i didn't well, it, it was a jukebox musical and it was so beautifully done and all of the people involved uh, on stage and off were just, it, it was this love letter to um, your true colors and to be who you are. True Colors was also one of the songs they used in the, ser in the, ep in the episode in the series. What is it? The musical. And um, it was just, it was really great. It was really great. I was so, I was so proud of it. I'm sorry it didn't last longer. Yeah. Saying. All right. Well, Producing, theater, producing other <laughs> things was a big, uh, a big deal in your career. Um, you had to make some serious room on your trophy shelf uh, when you created, along with the late Michael Slade, and you also starred in After Forever, uh, the multiple Daytime Emmy Award-winning digital series uh, that tells the poignant story of a, of a gay man who finds himself single after the loss of his partner. Um, 
considering how much you had to do with this series, how much of yourself was put into this series, what did it mean to you um, that it was so well received, uh, not just by fans, but by critics uh, and obviously cleaned up at the daytime Emmy, including, uh, you know, outstanding show, outstanding writing. And then, of course, this past year, uh, a trophy for yourself as outstanding lead actor. Yeah. Uh, the first season, actually, season one was um, we became the first LGBTQ drama series to ever win five Emmy Awards. And that was director uh, Jennifer Pepperman. Supporting actress was uh, Aaron Cherry, myself as lead actor, which I shared with my leading man, Mitchell Anderson, you know, but I keep the trophy here. Um, and, um, and Michael and I won writing for season one and uh, we won best show uh, series. Season two, uh, we won best series, uh, writing. Um, I'll tell you, it's uh, again, call Patrika Darbo and thank her. She came to New York, um, I guess, when I had been living there during that time when I went back to start producing. Um, and she called me up and she said, uh, I hope you got a suit on. We're presenting an award at the ISA. I, I, I don't know why I always do this <laughs> accent with her, but this is how she talks to me. So um, <laughs> am I right? Isn't that how she talks? Right? Yeah. I hope you got a suit because you and I are presenting at the ISAs. And I went, what are the ISAs? She goes, just shut up and just come with me. And we went to the, um, the New World Stages. And you know where the bubble show is? Do you know that the kids show? <laughs> and we're on this stage and we're slipping on the on the on the you know, the, the grassy, you know, fake astroturf and it's all filled with bubbles stuff. Anyway, and it's it's when web series and digital series were just being born. They were really coming into our 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 culture. And I saw so much content. I couldn't believe what they were showing. This content that I was watching was uh, better than most stuff I see on TV and some of the stuff I'd even seen on in theaters. And I was very inspired and I went, I, I, I want to do this. I can do this. There's that I can do that again. And um, I, I rushed Sebastian the cause at the end of the uh, award ceremony. I said, hi, congratulations. I, I'm Kevin Spiritus. I'm an actor. And he goes, I know who you are. I went, okay. Anyway, listen, I got to work with you. You're so, you're amazing, dude. And he had swept up all these awards for uh, hustling. And I said, if you do season two uh, I, I, of hustling, I, I want to be in it. And he wrote me in. Like, what a gift. And I watched how he did it, and I watched what he did for those two seasons, and I started to think about, you know, what was personal to me in my life. Like, he had some personal attachment to the story and the creative side of that as well. And I thought it was just so spectacular what he could take from himself and put onto the screen. And then I started to think about, well, what roles are not coming down the pipe with my name on it? I got I to gotta create one for myself. And I didn't know that After Forever was going to be the show it was going to be. Michael and I, I just sort of pitched it at him at the gym that day and said, hey, let's write a, let's write a series. And he goes, uh, may I don't, I don't think so. I said, no, no, I want to do a series about a gay man who's 50 and single and going back in the dating world. And I saw him perk up and go, we should talk. And, you know, to sit here now and talk about it and how grateful I am for the experience. And you, you never in that moment ever think, what the future is going to be or how it's going to be. We, we set out to write a show that would touch people and that would um, uh, move people and hopefully heal them. You know, and Michael was very, very, he was so gifted in crafting story 
uh, with me and then the writing and the words about how to um, how to move through the experience. And what I didn't know about Michael at the time is uh, we were talking about why people are single in one of our conversations uh, creating the show. And he said, why are you single? And I said, have you eaten with me? Come on. And we laughed. And um, <laughs> and, and, and I said, what about you? And, and I didn't, honestly, I didn't assume he was gay, but uh, I, he could have been married, had a wife. I don't know. I said, what about you? He said, well, my partner, I lost him about two years prior to this conversation. And I, I said, I was sorry. And how did it happen? And, and then after that moment of like, how are we going to do this? How are we going to create this story? I just sort of like said, do you still talk to him? And he said, yeah, I do. And I said, well, would you be interested in moving through that experience? And we could tell the story of After Forever about Brian and Jason and tell it in reality, tell it in flashbacks and conjuring up conversations between him and Jason, Brian and Jason. And as soon as he said, I, I think I'm ready to work through that in any way, creatively, yes. And the story just fell into place. And um, I talk to him all the time. I haven't heard back from him yet, <laughs> but I hear what he would say to me. And um, I miss him very much. Okay. And the sad thing was, is watching this cruel uh, lottery of of life imitating art imitating life you know uh him going through this and um he was very very brave and he was going through chemo while we were filming season two and working on the special and he was such he was just such a he was a, a inspiration really and um we have season three. It's written. Uh, we will do it. Um, I told him I wasn't going to do it without his scripts. And, um, you know, uh, he was very loved. And on his birthday, the day we released the series um, on Amazon, we had a casting crew screening on Zoom. And um, if, if you all haven't seen it yet, it's, it's, it's really a lovely... It's a lovely piece. I remember when he said, well, you know, we need to stay relevant, but if we're going to do a remote filming situation, you know, uh, we can't write scenes. And we kind of came up with this idea for Riley to have been given an assignment from school um, and uh, to do it remotely. So we're all kind of talking. It's like a documentary of all of us talking about Jason. But uh, he goes, <laughs> Michael says, you know, you're not going to be the lead in this. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> well, I don't know, um, but uh, he joked about it. But uh, he he structured this beautiful, beautiful um, weaving together of memories and our favorite things that we remembered about the character Jason and um, and what we didn't like about Jason. And there's humor and there's uh, it's it's really lovely. And Finn Douglas, who plays Riley, is this extraordinarily talented gifted musician and actor and he um every year every season we've had you know katie huffman has sung something but we really couldn't have katie huffman sing a song as she's recalling memories with jason uh, her character lisa and i said do we want to have finn sing something 
because it's his project. And Michael just like, I remember we were on a Zoom call and he goes, what if we had him write something? And I'm telling you to, when you hear this song, it's called Forever There. We didn't change a lyric. It's beautiful. And I'm so proud of him. And Michael loved it and we just loved it. So boy, you're getting on a really emotional day. It's been a hard freaking week. <laughs> Yeah, so I just wanted everyone who's listening to be clear that this is the second part we're talking about is Riley's Unforgettable School Project, which was the docu-style special that you just released. Um, I also want to say that I have had the pleasure of seeing everything, um, not only being at the screening premiere of After Forever, but also season two and the um, Riley's Unforgettable School Project. And the one thing I say is that you bring such an amazing realism with this series that when you're watching it, you like, you know, these people, but like, it's funny and it's relatable and touching. And I have loved every moment of it. And I've talked about it before on the podcast, separate from you even being here to say that I think it's one of the most beautiful series. And if people haven't watched it, they should watch it. It is, it's, it's just amazing. And, and, you you and Michael really left such an incredible legacy and that's something to be so proud of. Yeah, I am. And he is. Mm-hmm. And um, you've been such a great supporter, too. I, I, I would anyway, but I'm I I know, I know, so I know. I, enthusiastic <laughs> about my praise of this show. I know you've been you've, you've I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad and love that you're touched by it and, and you are um, a cheerleader for it. And um, it, it, it moves it moves more than just the gay culture and the um, people who are in their 50s and who are uh, uh, not in the community uh, dealing with a gay love story. It's a universal theme about loss. And, um, right. and especially this last episode, um, uh, the special episode, we didn't want to do a memorial service because we kind of had moments of that in season two. And... Um, uh, that's where the trick came in and that's where I'm I'm so grateful to Michael like you know we even we even brought in a new character you know um, Alma Cuervo who plays uh, Jason's secretary or assistant at, at his quote-unquote literary agency and we never see that in the series mm-hmm. but it, it opened up another element and I, I, I mean Michael and I went back and forth about different ideas and what each story could be. And, and, and you know, some of these stories are um, uh, real life references to some things that he had experienced and a couple of things from mine. And, um, you know, there's a there's a little special tying it together at the end. You'll see when Riley um, reveals something. And but the I think the mastery in where Michael was able to weave together these stories and place people in the order in which they are received or uh, seen in the series in this episode is so extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It is. And, um, you know, um, I'm grateful to have sidestepped my starring status. <laughs> <laughs> but um, anybody who's out there, and if you haven't seen the series, you don't have to have seen the series to see this episode. You don't have to see the episode to have seen the series. And um, I, I encourage everyone to go out. One of my favorite, favorite um, uh, um, fan um, letters, if you will, it was an email onto the site. And they said, uh, it was a younger man, about 20, early 20s. And he said, 
I, I happened upon your your um, your series, and I didn't know what to expect. But thank you for this incredible story. I can now see how my dad must be feeling having lost my mom. Oh wow! And that's that's where the story and the work of what we did together, I think, is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. So grateful. Well, Let's tell everybody how they can watch all of it. So Okay. Um, you can go on to Amazon Prime and you can search for After Forever the series, season one and two, and you can definitely see After Forever, Riley's Unforgettable School Project on Amazon Prime. And if you're listening to this by chance and you're out of the country and you're outside of the UK, you can also go on to bingenetworks.tv and that's uh, um, a worldwide link that you can um, purchase the episodes of the series from. And it's in Spanish uh, subtitles as well and closed caption. Good. Um, well, <laughs> Wait, I need to sit on this side. I miss our breakfasts, Stephanie. I miss our breakfast and Nora. Nora's? Norma's. Norma's, I know. Norma's. Go away, COVID. Um, <laughs> Um, now we did mention that in the middle of all this uh, Emmy gathering and writing <laughs> and producing and acting, you also, yes, you also did another digital series for Days of Our Lives, which was the last class reunion. So, what was that like to get the call and and return to the studio ten years later? Um, yeah, it was ten years later. Um, it was it was great. Um, I, I felt it was a great attempt at creating something uh, for the fans. Um, the regime had changed so so heavily. Uh, it, it was a different. It was. It, I felt it was a different place, and um, it, it was. I, I, I was dealing with. I mean, thankfully for my family of characters that I could play with, and it was a great reunion for all of us. But. I didn't recognize people on the set. I didn't recognize camera people. Um, Producers are on the floor now. And it it was like, oh, I got to, okay. And I have a very specific style in my acting um, that I am very proud of. And it's to be as real as I can. And sometimes the scenes as small or as long as they may be are not written for my style. And I, I got... The finger waved at me, Kevin. You gotta do it as writ. I go, okay. I'll make my, I'll make my tongue twist around those words. It was, it was, um, you know, I, I also wasn't in charge, so I had to slip back as, um, as a, as a, um, a person to take the direction, which I'm fine with. It was, um, but I was, I was, I don't know if they've done it again. I don't know if they're still doing these. It's very, it's so crazy with COVID and how things get done or can't get done now. So I, um. But I miss it. I, I miss the group. I do miss that group. And I, I, I would love to find a way to continue story for those people who are who are working mm-hmm. there and creating it. Salem is always good to Dr. Craig. That's right. I don't know if Dr. Craig was always good to Salem, but you know. <laughs> no. You know, Chloe is back. So as you said earlier, you're open to another reprisal, and we want to just keep sending that out into the universe. I think Craig should have an evil twin brother, a real evil twin, and then we should find out that Craig was not evil. And then I, 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 I do miss working. I miss working with Patrika and the outrageousness that we had. My days yeah. with Lisa Lindy were uh, the, that that trio 
I'll see Lisa, and we'll just still laugh about that that Las Vegas scenario. It was just uh-huh. one of the greatest times, and um, and uh, you know, those are great people, and they're still there, and it's really amazing that um, you know, absolutely. Well, uh, your career, as as we've discussed, has had many chapters, many facets, many tentacles. But what what is next on? your professional to-do list, Kevin. Oh, gosh. Um, well, uh, I, I, we will get season three of After Forever up and running. Um, I think with the vaccine now presented and offered, uh, hopefully it'll be even sooner than later. Um, I have a great deal of support of people who want to get that done. And in Michael's memory, of course, we want to absolutely um, complete the trilogy, which was intent that was what was intended um there are some ideas that um i have been bouncing around um with a friend of mine who is in some higher up places and in some different um uh production companies and it's to possibly take after forever and create it not necessarily all of the characters or some of the characters and it doesn't have to be brian and jason but is to move it forward based on the series after forever. And um, uh, I have really, uh, Alison Van Noor, who did an extraordinary job, she's been our producer for all three installations so far on After Forever, but she did an extraordinary job as her as her directing debut here with um, Riley's Unforgettable School Project. And she and I have a couple other projects that we are looking at to get produced and made, and um, not necessarily just on you know, uh, web series level. It's, we've got some really great projects and um, I'm reading everything in sight because I would like to see some other projects get done um, that don't necessarily have to be acted for me. I can produce, I can maybe direct, structure, whatever. I'm staying creative as I can. And of course, I'm singing, I'm singing. I'm putting a new show together so we will have, I've been talking about it and talking about it, but um, you know, Peter Allen was such an incredible um, part of my life that uh, I have an idea that I've had, I've been able to structure together and pull the songs now um, and create a show called Peter in the Background because it really kind of is the backdrop for a lot of my life. So, oh, cool, awesome! Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Um, and we are so happy that you joined us today and shared your memories. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stephanie. And Thank you, Mara. Hope to see you back on Soaps as well soon. Yep, I, hope to me, I hope to see me too. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I love you all. And um, please be safe out there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Kevin Spiritus for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast.